Welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast, the original all-turkey, all-the-time podcast with your co-hosts Andy Galliano and Cameron Weddington. In our weekly podcast, we're going to bring you some wild turkey calling tips like this. From there, we're going to go into, she's aggravated, there's another hen that's challenged her, or she's challenging another hen, she's going to cut an excited yelp. Advice from old pro turkey hunters like this. The turkeys typically don't like, I think, more times than not, to travel in an easterly direction into the sun first thing in the morning, especially after he gets up. It's a blinding thing. It, it, it's just like you. It's hard for you to see into the sun. Mm-hmm. So if I have a choice, I'm going to try to make it so that I'm going to be on the west side in the morning east side in the afternoon of a turkey exciting live hunts like this holy crap they're coming teach you how to cook your bird with advice such as this with some fresh rosemary and garlic and then cool that off and spread that along the inside of that butterflied turkey breast that we've seasoned on both sides wildlife management tips for your property especially with turkeys like this if you look at the type of habitats that turkeys need for nesting and brooding that tends to be habitat that can be managed more successfully with growing season fire than with dormant season fire. And hopefully along the way, we'll get plenty of these. Well, on November the 28th of 1953, I was attached. When I popped out of my mom and the baby doctor spanked me on the bottom, I went, oh, and I've been doing it ever since. <laughs> I like that. Thank you for tuning in, and now, for this week's show. Hello, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 356, August Turkey Soup, and I am your co-host, and the guy who is back. And I am your co-host, and the guy... Who visited your other co-host this weekend. Yes, you did. And I have to say that Tammy and I enjoyed ourselves hanging out with you guys a little bit this weekend. That was awfully fun. It was fun. I got my tail handed to me in Mexican dominoes, but it was... Smack that! (laughs) You know what? Yeah. Andy Andy is the champ currently, but it was a a fun weekend. We enjoyed seeing y'all as well, so it's always always fun to return back to Birmingham yeah you got to visit with some family too and catch up with them so that was good yeah it was good all the way around what are you back from well so i'm back in this world after last week being crazy like it was but i'm also back being the champ baby holding on to the domino's crown (sighs) 
wearing it proudly all week to cover my bald spot. You did. I mean, you you won it fair and square, man. It was heated match. I never really was in the running. I'm not very good at dominoes, but you know, dominoes is a fun game overall. I enjoyed it, and this was my second time ever playing Mexican dominoes. I think. But it's a pretty enjoyable game, actually. Yeah, there's a good bit of strategy to it. We enjoy it. It's just, you know, it's fairly fast-paced if you're not playing against me. So just FYI, anyone playing me in cards or any sort of a thinking game, part of my strategy is just to lull you to sleep by taking as much long, time as I can take yeah, to make long a move. Processes. Yeah. I like it. So, you know, when I was, gosh, this has been... 15 to 20 years ago. So when our son Chris was a teenager, you know, he was into video games, just like almost every other teenage boy his age at the time was. Mm. And here I am, a 35-year-old man playing video games against a 15-year-old boy. (laughs) And I should be getting my rear end handed to me by a 15-year-old playing Madden, but yet I managed to win every single time that we played. He never ever beat me. My <laughs> secret to success. Yeah. You have a 45 second play clock or a 30 second play clock, whatever it is, you take every single second. And when you're playing someone who's ADHD compared to you, if you take the full however many minutes it takes to play that game by using every second on your play clock on offense and as much as you can on defense, you're going to do pretty well if you'll just hang in there. So that was my trick to beating a teenage kid at video games. Nice. I bet that made you feel awesome every day. It still does. I, I still wear the champion crown in Madden every time I see Chris. There you go. I like it. So, I like it. Yeah, We have, I guess, some news we need to get out about Cullen Lord with the Real Cajun Market. So just so everybody's aware, the Real Cajun Market, who has been sponsoring the show up until this point, they cannot ship product right now, and it's no fault of their own. But as everyone knows with coronavirus and everything that's going on these days, shipping things has gotten a lot more difficult because it's a lot slower. And when you're in the business of shipping meat, cold meat, that has to arrive within two days, if it can't get there in two days, you can't ship it. So he had some issues with that, and it's he's tried you know, FedEx, UPS, all the different options, and, and none of them can seem to get it with the two-day deal, with the work shortage and things that we have going on in today's world. So he is not going to be able to ship anything anymore. And so they've kind of taken down the ability to pay on the website. And, you know, unless you are in a local area, which he said they're going to be moving to Chattanooga soon, or at one of the shops that they set up on, you know, some weekends, it seems like they set up markets. That's the only way you're going to be able to get some real Cajun market meat. But just wanted to let y'all know that because I've had a couple people reach out saying they've tried to order and they can't. That's the deal. Yeah. And, you know, it's this is an issue that is not exclusive to the real Cajun market. I mean, it's a lot of you guys listening to the show work for or own companies that have to ship 
or receive items via FedEx, UPS, whatever overnight service, even the USPS, and you know what it's like right now. And so that is a shame for us because here I am. I'm out. Same here. I've got got a road trip now. I know. I'll have to go to one of his markets at some point, but yeah. Just wanted to make sure everybody was aware of that. So, you know, don't don't try to order through the website because it's not going to work. But if, if something changes, we'll let y'all know. But I don't doubt anything changing anytime soon with the way the world is right now. It's just going to be tough for anybody trying to mail frozen meats. And I absolutely understand that. I know everyone listening to the show understands that because yeah. I've gotten some stuff mailed to me and one thing will show up the next day. I mean, like it's nothing. And That's then the weirdest thing. something else that takes two months, you know, like some something simple. <laughs> yeah. It's just crazy. So. That's just where we are, and just wanted to let y'all know. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of that, I'm going to say this very quickly because it's really very crazy. So I mail out postcards to all of my previous clients, and one of the postcards that I mailed out, this is from my mortgage business. One of the postcards that I mailed out, I believe it was it was early this year, and so I'm on the list because, well, I want to know how long it takes for a postcard to get to me after they're mailed. And so I dropped this postcard into the USPS directly at the post office. And it's the post office that services my zip code where I live. Drop 400 postcards in there or something like that. 400 plus postcards in there, mine being one of them. One month later, my postcard showed up to my house. That post office is eight miles as the crow flies, maybe seven miles as the crow flies from my house. Wow. Yeah. Excited. We haven't done turkey soup in a while. I like kind of catching up on the what's going on in the turkey world. Yeah, and I think, did you tell me you've actually got good news when it's related to turkey I do. Soup? I have two. Well, I have one article that's really good, and then I also am taking a poll on Instagram right now of how folks have seen the hatch this year and overall been good. So I put two options was banner year or what hatch as in didn't have a good one. And as of right now with over 200 votes for 63% saying banner hatch. Very nice. I've heard really good things this year, man, from, from Northern States, coastal States, Southern States, Puerto Rico, Alaska, Guam, you know, all over the place. Turkey's, I think, had a really good hatch. I'm sure there was some regional areas that maybe did not, but sure. I think they had a, a darn good hatch this year. So that's one positive that I thought I'd share. Well, you know what and we should I'll do? Go ahead and go ahead. We should lobby to all these states to increase the bag limit, extend the season, and cut the price of hunting licenses. Heck yeah, and advertise it. Advertise the heck out of it. <laughs> how great we got a banner is in our state. we gotta kill them all now yes yes I, I think that's great and then you know no tagging requirements nothing of that sort it you know, why would we why would we want to know how many hunters or turkeys we had well that's one of my articles so you give us your first article let's jump into this and go but- well i'll go with the the really good news from one of my articles i found and it has to do with this you know that I've been talking about with the Pults. And so this actually came out of Southern Living. It's interesting. Is it so that's a pretty big magazine. Huh? Is it credible? <laughs> yeah, I think it is. All right. Lay it on me. 
So the title is Experts Predict a Wild Turkey Boom Following Cicada Swarm. Mm. So, and I had heard this before the season that there was supposed to be brood X or whatever with the cicadas this year and that that would help turkeys. And that may be part of why we're seeing this pulp boom. So supposedly turkey production goes up in a cicada year because both poults and hens benefit from that reported. So potential nest egg and pulp predators are also preoccupied or distracted by feeding on cicada larvae. And that's what Adam Butler in Mississippi, he's their coordinator of Mississippi Department of Wildlife, he said the same thing. He said that it's not so much it's a lot of food for the turkeys as it is that the predators have so much food that, you know, raccoons will eat cicadas and possums and stuff that they're full and have no, you know, and it's readily available and easy to get. So they, they aren't hunting the nests. And so they're saying, you know, Kentucky's saying they think they're going to have a big one. And they said the last major cicada brood was in 2008, and that led to a record-setting year for turkey re- reproduction in the bluegrass state and saw a 95% jump in turkey reproduction back in 08, which re- led to record-setting harvest two years later. Wow. So that's pretty encouraging. I Personally, I haven't seen a whole ton of cicadas around here. I have seen some. I don't know if you've seen many, but... A few. We have a ton of army worms. I mean, bad. My yard is going to be a sandbox pretty soon because they are smoking it. And I wonder if that's helped the poults with food and also same concept of like raccoons and stuff just eating the army worms that are everywhere compared to hunting turkeys. Are they Afghan army worms? No, I, I have no <laughs> idea. I have no idea. No, they, okay. they I, I haven't studied them that closely, but they are army worms. And yeah, they're not, they didn't get pulled out and put here, I don't think. So anyway, that is encouraging to me. I, I think, I think there's something to that. I've heard that before and I definitely could see that being logical for a reason for turkeys to boom. Yeah. Well, and that makes me wonder what kind of crop or food source could we turkey hunters plant that would produce a fruit or some sort of a a target food for yeah. possums and raccoons at the time that wild turkeys are starting to nest. Interesting thought. I've never thought about feeding them. It's an interesting concept. I don't that would be worth looking into. I do know I mean I know of one family here locally that they release like thousands of crickets on their property. <laughs> and maybe that and they have a lot of turkeys. So maybe that's Similar to a cicada hatch. I don't know. That's interesting. Yeah, but anyway, I think I think it's worth looking at. That's a good point you said about planting something for predators, maybe to help them eat while your turkeys are nesting. I'm not sure. Yeah. Maybe a love-hate of attracting a ton of predators to your property. <laughs> yeah. But could be feeding them where they're not hungry for turkeys. Well, so. I think, you know, for those states where it's still legal to trap that time of year, if you are feeding them, them being the predators, the nest predators, and trapping them at the same time, that's probably a pretty solid approach. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you could just, you know, you know where your turkeys are nesting, where the potential nest habitat is, and on the other end of the property, you just start dumping cans of sardines constantly, and you move all your raccoons over there. 
Mm-hmm. Hey, or marshmallows. Just go dump just sacks of marshmallows over there. Well, I may try that. You know, around I don't know December, January, just plant a marshmallow field and see if I'm <laughs> able to get some raccoons and possums in there. Hey, it, it it sounds crazy, but it's a concept that you know, hey, could be worth exploring. You could move the predators away from a certain food source. So anyway, yeah. cicada hatch may be a reason for this pulp boom that I'm hoping we're actually seeing. And if that's the case, we should see a really good harvest of turkeys and hear good gobbling in 2023 so why don't you go with one of your articles so what goes up must come down and what i'm talking about is everyone's spirits who are listening to this show because you just gave some good news and here comes debbie downer around the corner so we talked about this i don't know two, three weeks ago on the show, but just kind of briefly mentioned it. But it deserves another mention. So Ohio has proposed a reduction in their bag limit due to what they're saying are several years of poor hatches and recruitment. And so they're proposing that their bag limit be reduced from two turkeys, two bearded turkeys, to one bearded turkey and that was proposed back on august the 4th i'm not sure do you know cameron when they're going to make the final call on that i'm not positive uh, everything i've read on it sounded like it was pretty much a given that was going to happen yeah so well it would be effective for the spring 2022 hunting season and it would be statewide and include the utes as well so their bag limit would be reduced from two to one so i don't know it's something that i think we're going to see a lot more of and you know what i'm gonna say probably could they have gone about it a different way not saying i know everything i'm no biologist or lawmaker but ohio is a very heavy ag state take decoys away you probably reduce the harvest by a bunch just saying, is it worth exploring that opportunity rather than taking a one turkey bag limit? Because that's going to be, I mean, I just know growing up learning to turkey hunt, getting to go with the potential of killing multiple turkeys a year was very instrumental in my development. Take a kid and they smoke one on youth weekend. When you're a kid, you don't really care to go just hanging out and hunt. You want to be the one shooting, you know? Yeah. So it's going to make it kind of tough. I'm just... Maybe not even just decoys, you know, maybe uh, one turkey in the first half of the season, one turkey in the second half of the season. Maybe you could take a second bird with a bow, you know, just something that may give more opportunity or have some draws or something like that for a second tag. I just hate to see more opportunity lost. But I'm also at the same time glad to see the state is doing something to acknowledge that they have a problem because I think they do from what I've heard from the locals. So they're doing something. I just tend to wonder, is this just the easy button? And it may be. It may be they have to just hit the easy button for a couple of years till they can figure out another option. But well, not, I'd love to see some research. And not only is it easy, but look, I mean, it's got, it has to work. No doubt, yeah. It will be effective. I'm not doubting the effectiveness of it. So, you know, that I'm sure plays a big, big factor in why reducing the bag limit is the easy button so i don't know we'll see and you know i just think that there's states out there that 
have gotten pretty creative, like Arkansas, that, you know, maybe some of these other states need to be paying attention to. So we'll see. Time will tell. I mean, I agree with that. I mean, heck, in Arkansas, you can even kill two turkeys and just you'd have to hunt a certain portion of the state. But one's low, man. One is low. But I also come from a you know higher bag limit state, so or I mean I wonder had they got you know Iowa the residents can kill two and your non-residents have to pay an arm and a leg to kill one. I wonder how that would have worked, you know. And they may be in such crisis mode that this was the only option. So right. I just would love to see states looking at other options other than taking opportunity to a minimum, and that's what it seemed like Ohio did. And Hopefully this is just them being like, we have a major problem. This is the only known solution we can do right now. And let's try to figure out a way to get it back to two birds, but still keep our harvest lower, you know, and in line with where it needs to be. Right. Hopefully that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Well, time will tell on that as to whether or not it's effective. And maybe we'll be reporting good news from Ohio in two or three more years. So. Yeah. What's next? So, yeah, I'll go with the regulatory change as well. So we've mentioned on here Mississippi. They are and have passed at this point that they are going to limit the number of non-residents who can hunt Mississippi for the first two weeks, I think, maybe three weeks. First two weeks of season on public land. Mm-hmm. So that's national forest, WMAs, everything. And it's going to be limited to 850 permits for hunters 16 years of age and older. And they've also increased prices for their licenses. So all game license went from 125 to 150, seven day all game went to 125 to 150, and spring turkey permits went from 20 to $50. So they went up 30 bucks on their spring turkey permit. And they have no discounted licenses for hunters age 16 to 18 anymore. So I love that idea. Personally, I really like what they're doing there. Yeah. Because they know how many non-residents will be in the state for those first two weeks now. Mm-hmm. And I'm in, I'm interested, it doesn't say in here, Do you will you draw like one week? You know, 400 the first week, 450 the second week, or 425 each? Or is it 850 people draw the first two weeks of the season and they get to hunt two weeks? You know, I'll be interested to see how they come up with that. Yeah, well... Again, those are the type of creative things that I'm, you know, I would like to see more states do. And I'm pretty sure you would, too, as well, Cameron. But, you know, it does make things confusing, not only for residents, but it makes things confusing for non-residents as well. And I'm not really in favor of that. You know, I think for someone from out of state to travel and get a ticket from a game warden in another state just because they're regulations are confusing you know to me it's a little bit sad but yeah you know so i'm not a huge fan of making regulations more confusing but i do think that being creative if it can be done without confusing the heck out of me who's very simple-minded then i'm all for it yeah and i mean that's a pretty creative way that's not confusing i mean you either draw the first two weeks or you you don't don't. wham bam yeah Yeah. you're in a wma opening day and you don't have a quota permit that's yeah. pretty easy to know you're not in the right dead on yes so I, I think that was a good strategy and you know it's interesting we had mentioned in a previous podcast that we wish they would have charged for the quota application 
but instead of doing that they're just jacking up the prices for the licenses to hunt there so yeah <laughs> they decided to cut it that way and hey why not that'll raise even more money so yes indeed pretty cool but good follow-up on there that that did pass i went and spoke that i was in favor of that personally on their forum or whatever it is that they asked for people's opinion i did as well yeah uh, i assume it was overwhelming yes they like this idea and now it's passed so interesting stuff we'll see how the quota system actually plays out and once they release how that's going to work we'll update everybody on that yeah well cool so i've got a story out of michigan michigan let's hear mm -hmm. it you're going to be surprised to hear this, but Michigan, they sold a lot of hunting licenses last year for 2021. No way. They did. They did. And they sold a lot of hunting licenses in 2020 as well. Do you no. remember why they may have sold so many licenses in the year of 2020, Cameron? Hmm. I mean, there's so many options. <laughs> There are. There are a lot of options, but we know there's one reason. Main it has reason. to be the, the global warming effect of, of overall good weather. I mean, that has to be it, right? Couldn't be coronavirus. That, or maybe it's just the increase of 5G cell towers. Mm. Oh, wait a minute. There's a yeah, 5G the... conspiracy out there in regards to something, isn't there? Hmm. Okay. So, of course... 2020 was was yeah and those would have been jacked. mostly residents probably yes you got to imagine the majority were residents because the state of michigan was pretty well shut down to out-of-staters so the article i'm referencing says after falling by about one to three percentage points per year for several decades the actual total license sales jumped by more than 8% in 2020. And yes, the sales were down a little bit in 2021, but they still are well above the pre-2020 sales. So it appears that female and young hunters and anglers accounted for a lot of last year's increase. And I find it interesting, not, not shocking in the least little bit, but I find it interesting that women claimed 24% more licenses this year than in the previous year, and 17 to 34-year-olds buying almost as many more licenses. So that, that, is was, interesting. that was 2020. And the article you know, just reiterates again, both groups backed down a little bit this year, but that was still more than any of the previous year's totals. So, you know, what does it all mean? I think math, to me, one of the reasons I like it is math doesn't lie. And if you have more people hunting, you're putting more pressure on your critters, not just the ones that we love so much on this show, but all of them. And at some point, something's going to have to give. So, Yep, yep. That's a good point. And I know I think I read a similar article and they their increase in turkey specific licenses was like astronomical. Yeah, so this article does mention turkey license sales and what I find is interesting is I'm going to quote the article. Spring turkey hunt sales had DNR officials quote jumping up and down end quote Eisenhoff said with 103,000 hopeful turkey hunters purchasing licenses for that season. 
Holy cow. 103,000. 103,000 hopeful turkey hunters purchasing licenses. And that's a one bird one bird state so i mean that's a dead on number probably (laughs) yes and i love the quote jumping up and down so were they jumping up and down with joy or jumping up and down crying with joy because now they they probably got a lot more money to spend on cwd research (laughs) you laugh (laughs) i'm laughing because it keeps me from crying cameron yeah if you think if it all was going back to turkeys, that increase, excellent. But as we've discussed before, the turkey seems to get the shaft when it comes to where the money goes. Yes. But we'll see. Hopefully they use that big increase to realize, hey, turkeys are more important than we thought and put some more effort there. But we'll see what happens. Well, I think, too, you know, you the the one of the obvious places that you spend additional funds when you get them as a government organization is to what? Well, let's hire more employees. So, you know, let's buy new vehicles. And yes, you know, a game warden is going to save some deer and save some turkeys. So if they hire an additional game warden and that game warden catches, I don't know, writes maybe 20, 30 violations, turkey hunting violations in in a turkey season, how many turkeys are they really saving? So, you know, I'm with you. I mean, CWD research, hiring some more employees, what is it really going towards? And no one, I don't think, can really say because Michigan may be different than many states. I don't believe that that, those additional dollars from turkey hunting license sales are earmarked specifically for wild turkeys. Nope. They probably are not in a hundred thousand. That is a ton of turkey hunters. That is a bunch of turkey hunters. Because I mean, I'm thinking Tennessee, you know, kills forty thousand birds or so, but we have multiple turkey limits. So I bet we're not selling a hundred thousand. That's a ton. Yeah. I have. I mean, I have no idea. I don't know how many we are selling, but I bet it's not that many. That that's a whole bunch. But interesting stuff for sure. Yes. That's it. And that was for 2021, right? That hundred and something thousand figure? Correct. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah, what do you have? Well, so I'm going to stay in Mississippi here. This just got released today in the Starkville newspaper, it looks like. And it's based on a study that was done a couple years ago, but saying that turkey gobbling is related to the weather. Wow. I think we all kind of knew that to an extent. Mm-hmm. And I choose to ignore that because I could care less what the weather's like. I've heard them gobble in every weather on earth, so I'm going to be going. <laughs> but they did find one of the biggest factors, which I, I've i heard this, but I hear a lot more about barometric pressure and temperature and wind, obviously. But they found humidity was one of the largest indicators of gobbling. Yeah. And on drier low humidity days turkeys were gobbling more more frequently and i thought that was interesting because the hunt i released a couple weeks ago i guess my alaska wild turkey that was the most humid day i've ever been on in my life i mean not just hunting that was the most humid morning ever in the history of my life yeah (laughs) and they were ripping it (laughs) so doesn't mean they're not going to gobble when it's not humid, but or when it is humid. 
but apparently they did were able to decipher chronologically that gobbling was better on drier low humid days and i don't know part of me wonders i wonder if you can hear gobbles further on low humidity days yes. because there's a lot less moisture in the air yeah so that could be a factor there too it could very well but anyway it was i thought that was kind of cool because i hear a lot more about another thing they discovered is that from north to south the peak gobbling would be between the years they did it around 10 to 14 days of difference between northern Mississippi and southern Mississippi. And that's not as big of a gap as I would have anticipated. Well, that actually is a bigger gap than I thought it would be. Really? I mean, yeah. north Mississippi is like still in winter while the southern parts like, you know, late spring it seems like to me. Yeah. I mean, I've driven from northern Mississippi to southern Mississippi in the spring twice in my life. Once was turkey hunting and once was to get an engagement ring. And it felt like driving from dead winter to like summer by the time I got to the coast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it it's amazing the difference because of how north-south that state runs. But yeah, 10 to 14 days. Hmm. So if you want to read more about that, you can look in MSU Extension Publication 3406, Wild Turkey Ecology and Management for Mississippi and the Southeastern United States. Very so cool. You can read more about that, but I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty good stuff. So, well, come on. with You got two more? One more? I have, a, I don't know, two more. I have two more. So well, come on with one. let's talk about North Carolina. We're going to go from Michigan to North Carolina. And North Tar Heels. Yes, sir. North Carolina says that even though turkey hunting numbers, meaning primarily harvest numbers for them, was down slightly this year compared to last year, it still is the second highest on record. Their harvest for 2021 was the second highest on record. So last year, the record? Yes. Last yeah. year was the record. <laughs> Last year, the total turkey harvest was 23,300 birds. Now, let's, let's step back and put this in perspective. The previous record set in 2017 was 18,900. Man, so, so 5,000 bird increase? Correct. 4,400 birds. Yeah, I mean, you're looking at 27% increase? Mm-hmm. Wow. And then... What was the harvest in 2021? It was second highest. Was it still in the 20s? Second highest harvest ever, and it was just shy of 22,000 birds. Well, still well above the 2017 record of 18,900. And they have a late coming in season and no hunting on Sundays. I think think that's still in place. On public ground. Yeah, no hunting on Sundays on public. And then... What's the bag limit in North Carolina? Is it two? I believe it's two birds. Yeah. So, but they don't have a very lengthy season, from what I remember. It, it comes in two or three weeks later than Tennessee, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So that's. Yeah, I think it lasts about a month. Yeah, that's whooping them pretty good. That's but two records in a row. Yes. I wonder if they had. Do you think they had record poult numbers in 2018 and 2019? I do not. I seriously doubt it. Yeah. <laughs> that was kind of a rhetorical question because I know. I would be shocked if that was the case. Yeah. But hey, interesting stuff. Interesting to think about. 
and I bet there was a lot of states who had their second highest harvest on record this year, with the first being last year. Right. In a time where we know turkeys are declining, but hopefully coming back thanks to brood X of cicadas. Brood X. Boom. Brood X. I got one mo to go. Slot it on me. Bringing it on. So the last one I have is from Field and Stream, and it's titled, Does Trapping Help Turkey Populations? The Proof is in the Pulse. And so it's actually the author of this article doing trail camera surveys between, if you want to read it, that's the title, Field and Stream. It's it. I'll summarize. He has property on like a couple small farms, and, and then he has access to a bunch of land just north of there. Well, he traps intensively on his small farms and the property like five miles north of there, it's, I mean, it's like right down the road, he says, doesn't get trapped. And through his trail cam surveys, his small farms, he's seeing poults everywhere, apparently. This is just released, I think, this year. Yeah, August 18th. And so he's seeing, let me see, this Kentucky. He saw three, he has three hens with 28 poults is what he sees on his small, like 78 acres. Mm-hmm. that's pretty darn good and then his neighbor who also traps said he's seen more turkeys now than ever and then they go just right up to this other property and it's 15 miles apart that's how far they are apart and it's hundreds of acres and he has like a ton of trail cameras apparently there and he he's got one hen with like two poles but very minimal and says he manages them both the exact same way other than one traps, one doesn't. And the one that's been trapping is seeing a lot more pulse this year. So more proof in the pudding on the trapping. And after our talk with Grant Woods, that was definitely further confirmed that trapping can definitely be a big part of your management plan for turkeys. But I thought that was an interesting article because he's using like a trail camera between two different properties to check on the flock and i mean this guy knows what he's doing on one versus the other and believes that trapping's the big difference because mm-hmm. i'm sure there's cicadas on both and and his point was they're only 15 miles apart so you can't say it's weather said it's identical habitat you know there's only one difference here and that's the trapping well i mean i may take a little issue with that weather statement because it absolutely can rain in one location and not rain in another 15 miles away. Yeah, that's true. But overall, it'd be pretty sim- about as similar as you're going to get, I guess, unless I think, they bordered each other. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. That information is better than no information. Yeah. So, right. you know, I'm not, I'm not throwing my BS flag into the ring. I'm just saying that, you know, there's the weather could be a factor. Probably not, like you said, probably not as much of a factor as it would be if it was from one side of the state to the other. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's about as close as you're going to get, I guess, but pretty interesting. So yeah, I, I think it's a thing people could do that should help. I mean, it makes sense. But hey, maybe planting marshmallow fields, like we talked about earlier, maybe that's an even better option. Absolutely. I think it's <laughs> a good way to go. Yeah. You can always, I mean, you can harvest the marshmallows. Once you trap all of the nest predators out of there, you can harvest the marshmallows and sell them. I'm I'm going to figure out how I can tap the ground or something and get a, a brood X of cicadas every year. Mm, that's a good plan, too. Yeah, we'll just release the locusts upon the land. I'm sure everybody would love that. <laughs> <laughs> the farmers would be pumped. Yeah. 
Yeah, that would work well. Wrap us up with one more article. Okay, so should I mention the name of the state? As long as it's not Tennessee. Okay. So apparently the awesome state of Maine says, eh, I think we're okay without all this data that we've got over oh, the, I know where you're going with this. previous this, years. This you know, let's, let's just make it easier and less expensive for hunters. So let's do away with them having to tag and report the turkeys that they harvest in the fall. Not the spring, but the fall. So that's what they did. The, legisl- the legislature. Their tagging, their tagging system was very easy before, but go ahead. Yeah. So the legislature in June passed a law that eliminates the requirement for hunters to register the turkeys that they harvest in the fall. And so some of the people within the Department of Inland Fisheries and Wildlife said, you know, this is going to make things easier on hunters, going to make things a little cheaper on hunters. And we felt that requiring hunters to register turkeys only in the spring would meet most of our management needs for turkeys. And that spring harvest data provides a good picture when determining the population, bag limits, and which management districts to allow turkey hunting in. Well, so. Their bag limit in the fall is like five either sex, I think. It's it's huge. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Now, I do know that from past turkey soup episodes, the number of hunters hunting in Maine in the fall is pretty low. So, you know, really how much of an effect is it going to have on wild turkeys? Well, time will tell. But I think... It- when you're harvesting either sex in the fall season, it's probably a good idea to keep an eye on how many are being harvested. Yeah, especially with liberal bag limits and a long it's season. Just, it's just interesting the the difference between what's happening here, where mm-hmm. it's getting just more restrictive. I mean, even as far north as Ohio, getting more restrictive, more restrictive. And then some of these northeast states, Connecticut, up in their bag limit to five a couple years ago. Oh, I've got to. Maine. I've got to. Having just hunted Connecticut, I've got to say that a five bird bag limit in Connecticut is a travesty. There's no reason in the world why Connecticut should have a five bird bag limit. No reason. I've heard that from multiple people. Even a biologist in Connecticut, he was like, I don't understand it. Like, our turkeys aren't really doing well. They don't have the population to sustain that kind of harvest. Now, how many hunters in Connecticut are going out and killing their five? I don't know. So maybe it's just a motion to make hunters feel better. You know, I I have no earthly idea, but to me, that's just totally insane you would think though that these states like that would see what's happening in the southeast or in oklahoma or right there in ohio and be like huh turkey populations sure are going down everywhere even if theirs aren't and think we better hang on to what we have because all these other states are losing ground and you know maybe theirs is stable in maine and you know they have a thriving population by their estimation but I would think if I was head of the turkey in Maine, I would be like, let's keep it that way. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They're going down everywhere else. What makes us think they're not going to go down here eventually? Yeah. And so making it easier for people to kill turkeys, kill more turkeys in Connecticut, 
and stuff like that doesn't make much sense to me. And I mean, were there really many people complaining about having to check the turkeys in Maine? Like, I, I seriously doubt there was that much complaint about that. I can't imagine. I would. Uh, there's not that many fall turkey hunters anyway, and I seriously doubt they they mind wrapping a tag on their turkey's leg and driving by the check station that's probably within ten miles of them. Yeah. Um, it's just it's just weird to me that some states are like acting like we're in the expansion of turkeys still, while the other ones are like, oh my gosh, we're losing turkeys. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a total paradox to me. It's crazy. Totally agree. Give t- give the turkeys to us. We'll take them. If y'all don't want them, trap them and send them down here. We'll give you some deer with CWD. You know, you can have them. Yeah, yeah. We could give you some cicadas. Yeah, we'll trade. I'll trade you possums and raccoons and coyotes. Oh. We'll give you a whole bunch of them. Bobcats, anything you want. You you send the turkeys. We'll send the predators. It'll be an even swap. Yeah, we'll I'll help you get throw in a bag of marshmallows. Yeah, that. I don't get why some states are trying to just kill turkeys off and we would gladly accept their turkeys now i do know i think the nwtf did a trap and transfer from maine to east texas last year so there is a little bit of that going on yeah so, but i'll see some more of it if wherever in connecticut inspired them to go to five birds which is probably one neighborhood where the commissioner lives or something <laughs> trap them and send them here i'll take them i'll put them on my farm please yeah so Interesting, interesting stuff though yeah no doubt well awesome yeah. man that was fun we we've not done one of those in a while just like you said and so it was good to get in there and talk turkey yeah it's fun i, I like it because we bring up a topic and then we get to talk about it and it's just interesting stuff to read about what's going on with turkeys around the country especially in the summer like it is i know i saw a lot of articles i didn't go over that are requesting hunter or public participation in saying how many turkeys you're seeing pults and things like that so if your state's doing that please 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 participate that'll be the favor of the week this week if your state has any kind of survey going on that requires public input for counting turkeys or saying how many pults you've seen participate in that study it is crucial data that they use it definitely is so, so. there you go i already I already got the favor of the week in there how about that i like it all right <laughs> why don't you wrap us up man we've spent an hour on here talking turkey soup and i've enjoyed it hope everybody else did yeah it's a good time so thank you guys so much for tuning in this week we know that you have choices we appreciate you spending your time with us we hope you have a wonderful week and we look forward to seeing you again next week Goodbye. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.